In regard to the divine and holy mysteries of the faith, not the least part may be handed on without the holy scriptures. Do not be led astray by winning words and clever arguments, even to me who tell you these things. Do not give ready belief unless you receive from the holy scriptures the proof of the things which I announce. The salvation in which we believe is not proved from clever reasoning, but from the holy scriptures. If we did not know the source of these words, we can easily hear them being spoken by any Christian minister, maybe as he instructed a class of new believers. Yet these words were written more than 1,600 years ago by Cyril of Jerusalem. And I find it amazing that these words are still applicable today. It seems many are tossing scripture to the side for the traditions of men. How are we to defend scripture and why are we to do so? Hello? Hello, anybody home? I don't think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It. A podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Today, we continue to examine what is Reformed theology, and I'm very excited to continue this, and I'm also excited for another reason. Glenn, do you know what that reason is? Uh, No. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to spill the beans here. We have a special guest with us who is also an elder at his church. His name is Anthony Uvinio, who is a husband, father, elder at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Long Island, director of New York Apologetics. And if that were not enough hats, he also is the host of the Reform Rookie website and podcast. Welcome, Anthony Uvinio. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. It's good to uh, get with like-minded guys and go through the scriptures and defend the faith. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Pastor Phil, that was a trick question. I, I didn't know you were talking about him. I thought it was just, <laughs> I thought it was like one of those theological things, you know? Well, there, yeah, there was some theology in there, you know? <laughs> but I think I met Anthony. How many years ago did I meet you? Oh, man, it's been a long time. I'm guessing 10 years. Wow, man, 10 years. Maybe 10 years. Okay, I think it's like longer than that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you admitted that, you know. So we've been <laughs> friends for 10 years. Yeah, I can keep a friend for more than a year. <laughs> no, amen. It's uh, you know, what what drew me to uh learn about Anthony was I saw the word apologetics. And mm. so we're all about apologetics and learning how to defend the faith. And so tonight we're going to continue in our series here on what is reformed theology and tonight we're going to continue with Ref what is reformed theology part three and our focus is going to be on the clarity of scripture and glenroy how do we say the fancy word for that perspicuity that's good say that one more time 
perspicuity. Man, you just say that like nobody's business. <laughs> I, hey, I, practice, I, I practice about three hours to do that. <laughs> I think I ate something like that a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what that was. With a little, a little lasagna on the side. A little sauce on it. It was great. <laughs> so w- what does this word even mean? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a clarity. It's it's just the fact that you know it's easily understood. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a, g- a good example of this is that I've been going through Hebrews eleven with my son, and he understands all the words. All the words make sense to him, and it's clear. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's not something. And I think back in the day is one of those things where oh, you have to be a priest, mm-hmm. you have to be some learned man. Anyone can read this. Now, some of the meaning and nuances, yeah, okay, it's going to re- require some discernment. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to this podcast. But it's very, very clear. So thou shall not lie. I don't have to go to the Greek and Hebrew for that one. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> I, I mean, you could. It's going to say the same thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. So as we're looking in the scriptures, it's written to men. It's written to humanity. And so it's written in words so that we can understand uh, concerning the heart of God and the mind of God, of course, not in not God's mind in its entirety, because we could never comprehend God's mind uh, in his entirety. Very good. Now, Anthony, Anthony, what what is it for you? What do you think the perspicuity of Scripture is? I would say perspicuity of Scripture is obviously the clarity of the, of the Scriptures and the clarity of the gospel in the Scriptures. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Scripture that comes to mind is John uh, twenty thirty one. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's so clear. Even if you just had the gospel of John alone, the gospel of John alone would be enough to come into a relationship with Jesus. So it's clear what the gospel is. Uh, it's just humanity that ends up complicating it because of you know the depravity of our, in our minds and hearts. Now, now before we jump on, uh, Pastor Phil, I know you had something. I mean, just think about the people in China. Some of them, they, they can't even own a Bible. I'm not sure if it's still happening or if there's been any change, but there have been times where you couldn't even own a Bible and you had to memorize that little verse and that's all you had. You know, um, and so that that's a great point, I think. And and with that, you know, there are some of these uh, beliefs out there that, you know, they're very foggy, they're very mystical. And, you know, they kind of want you to, you know, go on top of a mountain and cross your legs and do some ohms and somehow, <laughs> you know, then you get it. And so, right, there's all of these like these rituals and things people do. There's incense or smoke. But all you got to do is literally open the scriptures and read it. Right. So there's not this mysticism there. Uh, there's this famous book out there. I do not recommend it. If you have it, you should burn it. I think I think believe it's called Jesus Calling by Sarah mm. Young. It's actually a bestseller on many Christian bestseller lists. But wow. it's all about um, centering yourself. It's it's pretty much like Buddhism and Christianity mixing the same pot, mix it up. But, you know, I mean, listen, I'll quote a verse. There's death in that pot. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't you don't want that. You don't want that. Um, and so the scripture is clear. And so we want to read it clearly. We want to speak it clearly, present it clearly, understand it clearly. Uh, we want to preach to our churches clearly. We want to preach to our mm-hmm. children and on our families clearly, even to the unsaved. So that it's not something that is like, oh, um, I don't really understand the Bible. 
Say, Listen, let me make it very simple for you. God created us, and the us he's created is humanity, and that humanity has sinned against God, and we're guilty of our sin. We've broken God's commandments, and we need a Savior. And so, of course, we can expand on that, but just keeping the simplicity of the gospel, because it doesn't, it doesn't need to be complicated. <laughs> but sometimes people make it so complicated, you know, sort of like, what happened in first century Judaism? I mean, there was all these religious hula hoops that you had to jump through and continued on at some point in Roman Catholicism, all these religious hula hoops that you have to, you know, jump through and they take away the clarity of scripture, but it's still here. So pastor, are you saying when Jesus wept, it it just means that (laughs) Jesus wept? (laughs) Imagine that. Wow. Imagine that. I- I'm learning things in this podcast. Look know? at you, man. Well, it's about and I, time. And now I'm weeping. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So now not only is do we have to focus on the clarity of scripture, but it's important for us to make a defense of sola scriptura. And what is sola scriptura again? Scripture alone. Scripture alone. And where do we get that from? We just made it up. From scripture alone, <laughs> from scripture alone, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's the reformed reform theology from the 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 Reformation, right? Which mm. we would also say is just biblical theology. Oh, now right. you now you spitting now you are you a rapper? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I gave that job up a long time ago. Only at Christmas time do I rap, but, oh, but, okay. not, but not for you. Oh. <laughs> So uh, do you recall uh, Luther's stance that that he made before the Diet of Worms? Did I say that right now, Glenn? Diet of Worms. Right, right. So he says, unless I'm convinced. Yeah, Anthony, if you come on here saying diet again, like he said, we're cutting you off. (laughs) I kind of abolished that word from my vocabulary. It just doesn't work with me. So (laughs) it'll be easy for me to chuck that one. Okay, okay. No problem. So Luther comes along and he says, unless I'm convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Mm. I cannot and I will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. And so here he is. He's defending scripture. Um, Any thoughts on that, Anthony? Well, sure. Yeah, I I think. Obviously, Luther recognized the authority that the scripture had over himself and the church. And one of the things I think we need to uh, recognize and make clear to the people who are learning about Sola Scriptura, we're not saying that the scripture is the only authority that we have. Obviously, we have pastors, we have teachers, uh, they were prophets and evangelists. Scripture is the sole infallible rule of authority. And the word infallible means that it is not able to be wrong. So when we say that the scripture is infallible and inerrant, we're saying that the scripture by very nature cannot make a mistake and it's inerrant. It doesn't make a mistake. So whereas I could preach a sermon and the sermon may be without error, I am not infallible because I'm capable of making an error. The scriptures are the sole infallible rule of faith, such that when we have a disagreement, even between brothers, 
We go back to the authority because we know that authority can't make a mistake. We can. And that's why we vigorously uh, go back and forth through the scriptures, studying them, uh, iron sharpening iron, and we go through them. We study them together. So it's so important to know that we, we have something in common that we can go back to that is without error. I think True. that's the that's the biggest thing that we need to take from it. Now, now, Anthony. So, so what would you say from the Roman Catholic argument that, well, if we have a council of of of, of cardinals and they kind of all come together and they debate it and they think about it and they agree that this is this is law, or several popes over several generations decided, you know, we like this thing about priests marrying. Don't don't you think there is an an what this, so it's a two part. I think that's really easy to debunk, but the other idea of that, where two or three are gathered, God is in the midst. So you know, how do you how how do you, would you deal with that? Okay, the first one where there's councils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, listen, I, I think it's good that we have councils, but those councils, according to the early church fathers, were always subservient to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you know, we hold to the sixteen eighty nine London Baptist Confession of Faith as it uh, uh, comports with the scripture. We recognize that the confession is subservient to the scripture, not the other way around, because the human beings that put the London Baptist Confession of Faith together, although brilliant men, uh, recognized that they were men and capable of error. So they would always point us back to the scriptures and say, look, if you don't understand something in the confession, go back to the scriptures. That is where we park ourselves. Everything is derived from that. Right. And we need to be workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I was going back and forth with a with a guy on Facebook just this this week. And the funny thing is, when I told him, you know, we went through that scripture, your workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're going to be held personally responsible for how we rightly divide the word of truth. We're not going to be held personally responsible for what the church teaches us. Right. A Mormon church, a Jehovah's Witness church, if you could call it a church, the things that they teach you. okay, you're not going to if you believe those, you're going to be held responsible. Ultimately, you're held responsible to the scriptures, not what the church teaches. So he was like he was saying, well, you need a church to interpret the scriptures to teach that to you. And I said, well, what if the church that you're with gets it wrong? And, you know, I'm not going to be held liable to what the church teaches me. I'm going to be held liable to what I see in the scriptures and hold to. Because like the Bereans, anything somebody gives you uh, with regards to teaching, you have to go back to the scriptures and check it. Even I I tell our congregation and, and in Bible studies, if I'm talking to you and you like what I'm saying, that's great. You always have to go back to the scriptures and check to make sure what I say is true because I am not infallible. From my understanding, Roman Catholicism seems to believe that they get their authority to interpret Scripture from the Scriptures. Isn't that kind of uh, <laughs> isn't that um, a mess? Isn't that a good uh, the theological term for that would be baloney? Yeah, and <laughs> but I think and I think the main uh, difference between I think what we're saying and what they're saying is we're saying well keep going back. Keep reaffirming it. Keep rechecking it. Keep going back. Right. We're not look. We're we're saying the things because we really believe it. 
But we're saying we can go back to scripture and we can spend some time breaking down Romans 9, 28, 29, and we can parse the words and go mm-hmm. through it. And we think we're going to come to the same conclusion. But we're not saying by fiat that, you know, stop and think about it. And Reformed Rookie says this. So don't think anymore. Shut the brain off. It's kind of mm. like, no, go back and, and double check it. We feel confident after you look at it, you're going to kind of come to the same conclusions we have. And I, and I think that's a great point. And that's where scripture alone, not mm-hmm. scripture alone in the sense that we never, ever make any movements without what script, without scripture is, but it's, 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 it is the backbone of every decision. And that's right. not, and, that's and, not the fiat that the Pope rides around the bulletproof one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, is that, is that on sale? Is that something we can all get? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. No, no. I think he, I think he moved to Tesla. He's more environmentally. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm sorry. Anthony, you? Go ahead. You were going to say. No, no, no. That, that's okay. I forget what I was going to say now. Oh, so <clears throat> I like what uh, Tyndale also said in his stance. Mm-hmm. He was speaking to a Roman Catholic priest uh, at someone's home, and he said, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life, I will make the boy that drives the plow know more of Scripture than you do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. that was just like considered heresy and blasphemy. But I mean, take take someone today uh, in your church, you know, who's who's been in the faith for a while and who's learned some scripture and let them talk to a Roman Catholic priest. I mean, there's usually not much contest there. Uh, The person in your church who's known the Lord for like two or three years knows more scripture (laughs) than the priest. So, I mean, it just seems that uh, that Tyndale's words are kind of reverberating even, you know, as we speak today. And, and even through the power of, of God and the Holy Spirit, he, at least in the English language, was a big proponent of that. He basically created the language where we're speaking with right now just by making the English Bible apple. That He did it. He said God put it in him to right. do this. And that's why we can. Because before this, it was in Latin, it was in Greek, and it was inaccessible. He said, no, I'm going to make it accessible. What? See, I can't do it now. The clarity of Scripture made clear to to, to the common man. Amen. Amen. So, Anthony, you had mentioned some things concerning, and I had seen this, but you highlighted it when we spoke recently uh, on the Chicago Statement. Right. And there are a a number of articles within the Chicago Statement. How, How many were there again? How many articles in there? Oh, I think it's uh, 20, uh, 29? 29 articles, right? Right. And we won't go through them all, but just kind of highlight um, maybe the top three that you think, like, you got to get these because we covered some of the other ones yeah. um, previously, although we didn't uh, reference the articles per se, we covered mm-hmm. kind of the topic of it. But um, what would be the first one that you would say, this one, you got to know it. Yeah, well, I I think the first one right off the bat is Article Number One, where it says we affirm the Holy Scriptures are to be received as the authoritative Word of God. We deny that the Scriptures receive their authority from the Church, tradition, or any other human source. Mm. Uh, that's huge because uh, again, in speaking with Roman Catholics, it's almost as if they think that the the Church gave birth to the Scriptures. Whereas we see the scriptures giving birth to the church and giving us uh, the authority to go back to the scriptures, to use them as the standard by which we measure all doctrines. Now, the, the, the good thing about the, 
Bib, uh, the Chicago Statement of Biblical Inerrancy, this wasn't like a monolithic group of people. This was people from all stripes uh, in, in the evangelical world. In fact, the two men who headed up were uh, R.C. Sproul and Norm Geisler. Now, these guys certainly were at odds with one another on salvation uh, and, and uh, soteriology and eschatology, uh, but they thought this was so important, important enough for them to get together with, uh, I think it was about 300 other uh, Christian leaders throughout the country to make these definitive statements about the scriptures because they knew that the scripture was going to continue to be attacked. And without these uh, articles written, they won't, no one would know what the evangelical world believed with regards to the scriptures. So this document really solidified it for so many people and actually brought people together because um, you had so many different d divisions and divides in the church. We can at least all agree on the biblical inerrancy and infallibility of the scriptures. Yeah, and, and they're written in, in a way to defend the word of God, to defend the scriptures as the scriptures, as the authority of, of God himself. And uh, and this is good because they're written, we affirm we def and we deny. We affirm and we deny all the way throughout. So, so again, they're trying to kind of bring clarity to we hold this and we do not hold this. Right. So there's they're trying to make it so uh, there's no we don't want to have any loopholes in our argument. There's no ambiguity in what they're saying. They're exactly. making it clear up front. This is what we hold to. This is what we don't hold to. Now, there were, I think, a, a group of uh, 30 or so uh, charismatics that couldn't hold to the statement because they believe in ongoing revelation, which this document uh, says no, we we don't hold to ongoing revelation. The canon is closed. God has spoken. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the scriptures. You know, it's enough to to make the man uh, the man of God equipped for every good work. We do not need anything else <clears throat> in addition to the scriptures. If that if there was a need outside the scriptures, then the scriptures are not sufficient for us, which the scripture says it is. It's sufficient for everything that we need. Now, now I don't know if you know me, Anthony, but I, I'm the troublemaker of the group. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to to I'm going to disagree with you because I know. So. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I, I get it. I got, that's a good point. Gift. It's a spiritual that's, gift. That's a good point. So you made a statement about saying how scripture is 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 is, is what made a church as opposed to the other way around. Mm -hmm. Now there's some people out there who's done a little bit of studying. Maybe the the the, the common layman may not. Mm -hmm. have this argument but i just wanted you to touch on it very briefly that we do know that the church kind of said okay this is scripture this isn't scripture this is good that isn't good mm -hmm. well how, how do you deal with that question how would you just kind of quickly deal with that i would quickly deal with it with an argument that michael kruger uses and he's like a, a new testament scholar uh he says it like this uh, it, he, use, he calls it the thermostat illustration. When you walk into a room, you look at the thermostat, it says 68 degrees, and you recognize that that's what the temperature is. It's different than walking into a room and saying, I'm going to program it to 68 degrees, and that's what temperature it's going to become. The church recognized the scriptures were God-breathed. They Amen. recognized yeah. its authority. They didn't make it the authority. 
They didn't Thank give you. it its authority. Make sense? Yeah, perfect, perfect. And, and I think, but that's the that's the thing that would come to your mind, and that I think that's the the perfect antidote to that is that they were just recognizing what was true, which we today would affirm. You know, sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What what would be m- maybe a second one that you say this one we got to highlight among the articles? <laughs> it's real simple. It's article number two. <laughs> I, think they, I think they put them in in kind of like importance order. But article number two says we affirm that the scriptures are the supreme written norm by which God binds the conscience that and the that the authority of the church is subordinate to that of scripture. We deny that church creeds, councils, or declaration have authority greater than or equal to the authority of the Bible. Mm. And and herein lies the problem with the Catholic Church. They believe that their councils, okay, are are able to define doctrines that may not be clear in scripture. So we go back to perspicuity, right? That may not be clear in scripture. And they think that these councils can bind our conscience to those doctrines such that if we don't believe them, we're anathema. Truth. That's yeah. the pride. That's the pride and depravity of man coming forward, um, saying that, no, 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 we have authority over the scriptures. We'll tell you what it says and we'll, we'll bind your conscience. They take the scriptures that talk about binding and loosing and saying that if they put forth a, a, a teaching that you don't hold to, they can they can not just excommunicate you. They can anathematize you. So they kind of do what many Pentecostals do with the binding and loosing, but maybe even worse. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they kind of they kind of make it uh, acceptable uh, without speaking in tongues. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> they say it in normal language. Anathematize you. I mean, they're sending you. They're sending you to the flames. Yeah, let's let's be honest. Um, they say right now, uh, as Vatican II says, if you do not believe that Mary was bodily assumed into heaven, you are anathema. Now, that could not not have been a tradition that the uh, that, that that the apostles taught them because Mary had not yet died. Okay. So this has to be something after the fact that they're saying, if if this is an article of faith that can damn you to hell for all eternity, if you don't believe it worse than that, this was only brought about in the 1950s. So my question is what happens to the people who lived from the year 100 or 200 to 1950 that didn't believe this because it's not true. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, they kind of just kind of made things up as they went along. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just that's a rubber band ball that you just can't pick apart. I mean, it's just wait, wait, wait. Why, why don't why don't we just go through the the that the gospel that was written for Mary and just kind of figure out what it says there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there was one. No. <laughs> and thank, thankfully, the church uh, uh, at the the early point in the church was not corrupt. Mm-hmm. To the point where we get to Rome in in the 1500s, the 1400s and 1500s. I mean, you still had a purity in the church, such that they were working together. the 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 canon of scripture was pretty much circulated in the early church up to the year 100. Everybody knew what the scriptures were. Um, it wasn't until later in time, as again as the human heart goes, where people started bringing d- certain different doctrines in uh, that that caused this problem. 
Mm. Right, right. And they also brought in different writings and Gnostic writings, mm. which which were very unclear and, you know, all the secret knowledge and all the nonsense. But, you know, even when we use like the 1689, we're saying that's subservient to scripture. And yeah. we believe it's it's derived from pulling from the scriptures, mm-hmm. but it's still underneath. It's subservient to scripture. Uh, and all things are subservient to scripture. And Definitely. what we love is scripture is a goalpost that never moves. Unlike mm-hmm. everything else, the goalpost is always changing. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what will be the next one? Uh, article 11. We affirm that scripture having been given by divine inspiration is infallible so that far from misleading us, it is true and reliable in all matters it addresses. We deny that it is possible for the Bible to be at the same time infallible and inerrant in its assertions. Infallibly and inerrancy may be distinguished, but not separated. Mm. So you you had uh, the neo-Orthodox guys like Karl Barth um, saying that, well, the scripture is infallible in all areas of matter and faith, but not the other parts of scripture. So there might be some historical things that the Bible gets wrong, uh, but when it when it's in particular, let's say to to salvation, matters of faith, that's where the Bible is infallible. And this council said, no, every single word of scripture is infallible, whether it describes matters of faith, matters of history, matters of nature. Um, anything that the Bible talks about, it talks about it infallibly. The creation of the world, infallible. Six days, infallible. It was all infallible, not just with regards to specific doctrines that we have to hold. Amen. So, so, so uh, once again, this is one of those things where I hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, for faith and all the other stuff, we're good. But it's not a science book. It's not a science book. And we can't use it as a science book. And so, like, this is saying, no, 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 no. You may not like the way it's say it. You may, you may not, like, say it's, like, you know, to a Fahrenheit or a Celsius degree, but it's accurate. Certainly. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the things that the Bible talks about, most times uh, when they do an archaeological dig and they come up with something new, the first book they go back to is the Bible to see in history, does mm. this dig have any sort of uh, culture surrounding it? And mm. every time they go back to the Bible, it confirms their uh, their findings. The Bible is is used by scientists, archaeologists, uh, when they do these these digs and find new stuff that they didn't expect. One, one, yeah, <laughs> one of the things, one of the things that always surprises me, if you ever look at the dietary laws of the Jewish culture back in the day, the the, the way that they, okay, the, just a description of when someone is under blood, they are separated from the cam, they can't come back until they've been issued. Even the way that they did to test for, um, uh, no, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's not COVID. leprosy. It's not COVID. <laughs> not COVID. No, <laughs> like, I was like, that's that's the one disease that you can't. <laughs> but for leprosy, like that's what a doctor would do today. They would go. Right. They would check the spots. They would give it a couple days. They would wait. They wouldn't touch you by the hand. They would mm. separate you from the group, as opposed to COVID, where they put you all together and tell you to wear a mask. But they will actually <laughs> separate you from the group. And and actually make sure that you're quarantined so that you don't infect the others. I, I mean, if there, if there was any other medical book, I, I don't think it, it wouldn't disagree with what Scripture says. And they actually talk about what foods to eat, what not to eat. And, and they didn't have the medical. They didn't know about bacteria and all these kind of things that we knew about. Right. And so there is a lot of things that the Bible says. Not, not a lot. Everything in it is true. 
it, mm-hmm. it may it may not be to the specificity of where a science book would be, but I don't think you can go in there and say, well, this is this is just wrong. You know, it's it's not right. It doesn't match up with what science has said. Right, I, I agree with you. And and people who look at it, look at it on the surface and looking for it to uh, make scientific claims are, are not realizing that. Yeah, although although the Bible does speak about uh, nature and it does make some scientific claims, there is a deeper theological meaning to to some of this yeah, stuff that they right, just don't right. understand. When with with all those sicknesses that you were talking about in the Book of Leviticus, the leprosy, uh, people who were blind, uh, all, all this type of stuff. All of those things disqualified someone from becoming a priest. Right. They had to go and get cleaned. So along comes Jesus, right? And w- what does he do? He starts healing people of the things that disqualified them from being priests. Great point. He comes in to restore the priesthood back to to start the new heavens and earth now, the new covenant, and restore the priesthood back to its form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's you know aside from just the, the the scientific things that are that are in that book, there's deep theological things that we need to see the connection between the old and New Testament that people often overlook. Think about even even our our charismatic and Pentecostal brothers and sisters. They go around thinking Jesus just healed everybody, and you know that's that's what he came to do. Jesus had a specific reason why he was healing certain people of certain things. Yes, yeah, he and heal the whole point- body. Right, and and it all pointed back to not all. So some of it pointed back to the uh, the Levitical law in in excluding those people from being priests. So he came to restore that, and that's a big thing. That's you know that's something that we have to we have to dig up, and it's not easy to to just find out. Even the dietary laws, they all have something to do with us and the and the priesthood. Yeah, and I would say, I would say that all of those. Uh, healings as well point to the gospel and who Christ is. He heals the mm-hmm. the eyes of the blind, and we're blind in our sins, and He allows us to see, and we're 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 deaf, and He allows us to hear. We're mute, and we could speak the gospel. We're lame. Mm-hmm. We're you know in our sin, and now we can walk. And so I think all of those as well make a beeline to the gospel. Um, and of course, Christ is our high priest, and mm-hmm. in Christ, <laughs> we're the priesthood right here, priesthood of yeah. all believers. Right. Ambassador Phil Anthony, and once again, I, I agree with you 100. percent But what, but, but my point is, I don't want to diverge because once again, we, the, the 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 idea is the separation from the idea that it's it's theological. There's a lot of beliefs, but also saying, well, yeah, but on the things like, you know, when it's you know on these things, it's not infallible. It's there's mis- mm. no, no I'm, I'm I just don't want to get off that fact that it is, it, it is. does, and 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 one quick one I want to do because I'm kind of in this right now. I was like. Mm-hmm. From a uh, from even some something that's subjective, where people say it's subjective and it's there's no normative things. All these studies that they're doing, which is going back to the fact that women are this way, men are this way. God has created mm. us to be this way. We're physical, and 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 all the stuff in the Bible as they go over time and they do these studies and they do research, it goes back to it's right. Mm-hmm. Man was made this way. Women were made that way. No matter how they try to twist it and turn mm-hmm. it, they go back. Even when they they remove gender and they remove all this stuff, they do studies and women usually take this job. Men usually go this job. Mm-hmm. Even when they remove all the barriers and restrictions. And, and and my point is, and there always is a theological meaning, but it's but but once we start creating this dichotomy, we can then say, well, this part's not true. Oh well, I mean, 
120 years to build a boat, uh, you know, <laughs> the flood. No, if you if you start separating and say certain things are, 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 are we can believe that with ironclad and certain things. Well, I, yeah, it's not really a science book. That's a danger to me. And I think that's Carl mm-hmm. Barth is one of those guys where mm-hmm. he took this and brought it to as far as you can go and make it almost not scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Look, look we, 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 we recognize uh, that God wasn't trying to communicate uh, deep scientific facts mm-hmm. to us. You know, it wasn't like, okay, l- let me ex- let me explain to you how the cell works. Let me talk to you about the the the, the proteins and the RNA and the DNA. That's that's certainly not what he was talking about. But the things that he does mention, uh, the seasons, right? The, that that won't end. I mean, these are all things that we observe that are true. It, it it doesn't it doesn't change. God is is correct in 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 everything that He says about the world, the cosmos. Yeah, yeah. And so you have something on your website, I believe, right? Sola Scriptura and Mary. Oh, oh, yeah. There's um, there's a verse at the end of John twenty one twenty three. Thank you, John twenty one twenty three, and you know I, I wanted to run this by you guys to tell me tell me what you think. So this is uh, when Peter is uh, with Jesus and John, and uh, Peter uh, turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is not John, following him then the one who leaned back on his bosom at supper and said, "Lord, who is the one who betrays you?" So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, "Lord, what about this man?" Jesus said to him. If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then verse 23 is really important. It says, therefore, this saying went out among the brethren, the brothers, which at the beginning of the chapter is the disciples and the apostles. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? Hmm. So here you have. Peter mm-hmm. bringing information to the brethren, yeah. that's not true. He mistook what Jesus said. He said that the, the saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yeah. Now, that's not what Jesus said. Right. Okay. And that's not what Jesus meant. If we didn't have the scriptures, yeah. we wouldn't know that. So right. this teaching went out among the brethren, which scripture corrects and says, no, that's not what I said. All I said was, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? And right. that's a good eschatological uh, scripture we can go into. But um, my point is this. The brethren were together. They walked with Jesus. This is Peter, the Pope, right? This is the Pope yeah. spreading something to the brethren that is not true about what Jesus said. Wait, wait, wait. Why? wait, wait, wait. Are you saying believers can make mistakes and, and, and be wrong? <laughs> I can't ask my wife. <laughs> Continue. I was just yes. about to call your home. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Why? Because we're human, right? The difference between humanity and the scriptures is, is the scriptures are God breathed. They opnustas, right? They are breathed out by God. Therefore they cannot be wrong. Us as human beings in our fallen nature, of course we can be wrong. And that's why it's so um, uh, it, 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 it's such it causes such consternation with me when I see people trying to put their authority over the scriptures. Mm-hmm. It's it's so prideful to think that you could be you, you're going to 
you're going to be able to interpret the scriptures to other people and tell them with with infallibility what it means. Yeah, and I like that you said that because if we kind of melt back to where Roman Catholicism uh, believes that, that they are the authority and that they are infallible, or at least when the Pope speaks ex cathedra and they can decide when it was and when it wasn't, you know, they can always go back and clean it up. Um, I mean, if the disciples who were with Jesus can be in error at times and people who heard him speak weren't were in grave error at times. They said, you know, will you at this time restore to us the kingdom? And he said, listen, I'm not talking to you about the kingdom. I'm talking about the kingdom. You're going to receive power, but not the kind of power you're thinking of. Right. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And they, like, and they didn't understand so many things. And so they heard the words of Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles. And many times I heard one preacher say they had calluses on their hands and calluses on their brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if they had it, I mean, are we really any different? Can we not right. at times be in error? And how can Roman Catholicism stand up and say, no, not us. We have like the inside scoop. We have the ground truth as it were. Uh, and we are infallible. <laughs> are you kidding me? Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Mm. He didn't say that because what G what Peter just said was correct. He put him in his place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and you got, you got Jesus saying, Have I been with you so long and still you're so dull? Like you don't you don't get it. And this I think I told you before, this is a deep theological truth. That's why they were called the duh disciples. There you go. Yeah, boom. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and and once again, and once again, why were they debating about the Gentiles, whether they would have to continue doing the Jewish laws if everything that they did was infallible? Everything Peter had to be corrected by Paul. That's right. another example. Paul had to go and say, hey, what are you doing? You're doing one thing with this group and another thing when this group comes. Don't do that. But this is the way they have derived their authority. And look, we're not, we're not, we're not beating up Peter. He was, a, he was a great man of God. He was Absolutely. with Jesus. He did a, He, he said the things that we would have said if we were there. He, he represented us, mm-hmm. but he also represented our, our um, fallibility, our errors, our ability to err, and and that made it even more human. Because let's say all the disciples were perfect in everything that they did with Jesus there, it would make it really hard for us to say, okay, I, I'm really failing as a Christian. But we could say, hey, these men were. Although great, although empowered by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. also failed. And I think we can accept that the pastor can make a mistake. And that's actually encouraging for us. Absolutely. It's not a discouragement. Glenn, I like that point. So are you saying, because imagine a Roman Catholic would say, well, you know what? Jesus can, redu- can rebuke Peter. He, you know, he can rebuke the Pope because he's above everybody. But you just said that Paul rebuked Peter who they were considered to be the Pope. We don't. Uh, (laughs) So you're saying that a believer can correct another believer. Yeah. Crazy. That's crazy. Wow. So is it possible even that uh, someone who's not a pastor can correct a pastor in, in, in something? Is that, is that absolutely possible? Yeah, and uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not only possible, we have scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, you know, that says it. And I think that is, remember, we're talking about scripture and, and, and remember, we're not making, we have not made a case for any particular doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we are discounting some, but we're not making a case for any, we're just saying, hey, let's 
if we're going to call balls and strikes, this is the, the common denominator. And let the chips fall where they may. And I think that speaks volumes. We haven't spent any time saying, hey, Scripture is good because it affirms what we believe. Yes. We're saying we're saying if you show us in Scripture that we're wrong, hey, we got to change what we're saying. And I think that's a more powerful argument than these 25 men who died 16 years ago decided that this is true and there's no more debate now. Right. That, that's a that's an excellent, excellent point. And it just it just reminds me of those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Yeah. You know, when we admit that we could be wrong uh, and that we go back to the scriptures after a brother shows us something and, and, and we we repent of that and submit ourselves to the scripture and humble ourselves. It's a beautiful thing. That's why the reformers were all about semper reformanda. Always be reforming. Why? Because as human beings, we change. Probably by the end of this podcast, they'll have iPhone 28 out, right? (laughs) Everything is constantly changing. It's always changing. There's one thing that doesn't change, all right? It was printed way back when. It's called the Bible, right? It does not change. God's word, you know, is, is constant, remains forever. So that's the one thing we can always go back to that's not in flux, that is the is the rails by which we have to live our lives by. You know, if we stay within the, the within the scriptures, we're going to be fine. Now yeah. I'm now now I'm technically a millennial, so you're saying it was printed, not downloaded. There's no updates on this Bible. <laughs> you're just going to say one way. There's no like because I get updates every day on my phone. Are you like exactly, exactly? And I, and I and I think there and I and I think in today's day and age and and for many many centuries, it's just kind of like well, let's try to. Let's try to find some new revelation in there. Let's really try. Oh, look! I, I look. One of my things is 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 the Jewish mysticism. Well, we're gonna find all the numerical mm. reference. Like, just read it. Just, tr- <laughs> I'm telling you, it's you know how hard it is to not lie. Mm. <laughs> you know how hard it is to to to, to not hate anybody. Like, mm. Let's like take spend ten years doing those two things, and then then we can start reimagining some of the things in the Bible. You're right. focusing on the minors. Rather than saying, hey, this is super duper hard to love my wife. Mm. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I need help in that. Let me keep reading the scriptures every day to figure out how to do that. We Mm. started doing a lot of those things. We'd be better Christians, better people, and we wouldn't have time for some of these nonsense. Yeah, we've been we've been lulled to sleep by the culture, man. We've been entertained Mm. to death. Mm. You know, we enjoy these things. And the churches, uh, unfortunately, fell victim to this also. It crept into the church and, you know, it's got a hold of a lot of people. And now because of the judgment that we're experiencing, not just in America, but worldwide, uh, judgment begins with the house of God. And I think he's really clearing things out and purifying his church. And now you're seeing the difference between the believers and the make-believers. You know, so many of these churches, you know, went online and now these people aren't coming back because they're happy on their couch. And that's not church. I I was just, I was just, um, went out with someone who was like, oh yeah, I'm, I go to church online to a church in another state. I'm not so, okay, <laughs> that's great. But like things are opening back up or you like, no, no, I have this church. Oh, I have this thing. Yeah. What about fellowship? What about the time we get to spend together? Yeah. I can look on YouTube and watch. I can listen to reformer rookie. I need, mm-hmm. I need someone like pastor. You should, pastor, <laughs> you should listen to Thank you, Glenn. Thank in you addition, in addition <laughs> to, I can go to pastor Phil and he can give me some good 
you know, solid. And remember, we're not so far off in age or anything, but he he's experienced mm-hmm. some things. He's he's mm-hmm. in a position to give me godly advice. I can't mm-hmm. text that. I, I need someone who's who knows my foibles saying, Glenn, you know, you are mm-hmm. you are prone to this and that. And my advice of someone who loves you and has seen you is to do this. Amen. That's that speaks volume to me. Then then I, I get a generalized message that was meant for 3000 people. How could you do you the know? one another verses online? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it sounds I, I, like God, God's word is an unchanging standard. It's the anchor that never moves. Had a conversation with somebody today, happened to start out with the social justice thing. And I said, you know, listen, don't worry. Tomorrow, their views will change and their views, yeah. you know, and, and the way they, they live it out and carry it out. But this this word of God is an anchor and it never moves. It's, it's an immovable goalpost mm-hmm. and it's not only unchanging standard, but it's a sufficient standard. Um, in Psalm chapter 19, uh, verses seven through 14, it just goes over again and again and again, uh, concerning the word of God. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. And so mm-hmm. the whole thing is about, uh, the immovable standard of God's word and how you could just take that to the bank. Mm-hmm. We don't have mm-hmm. anything in the culture like that. Amen. And you know, one of the verses that really stood out to me as I was going back and forth with this guy on Facebook um, is Psalm 138. And it says, for you have exalted above all things, your name and your word. Mm. So I went back to him and said, listen, God exalted his word above all things. That includes humanity. That includes the church. If his word is exalted above all things, how can you deny sola scriptura? And once again, once again, let's go back to what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Jesus, and we talked about this last time, Jesus affirms the scriptures. He says only the things that you have read, one, he says it's all about me. Mm -hmm. Two, he says, I've only done what the Father has told me to do. Right? He says not one jot or tittle from the law will go away. Right. Mm-hmm. He's the fulfillment of the law. All the scriptures. It's like it's all feeding back to the same thing. The person who the one being the one person who had perfect unity with the Holy Spirit, who could make up scripture, said, hey, this is what scripture said. This is what mm-hmm. scripture said. This is what Psalm says. This is what uh, um, the Bible says. And actually, I'm going to double down on what the Bible said. Mm-hmm. Right. You think it's murder? I'm going to double down. He didn't he didn't say, no, that's wrong. He said, I'm gonna double down on it. I'm gonna. I want you to really understand even with the more clarity what mm. murder is. Mm. Listen to this. I just. Uh, I. I just had to remember this. A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked, and yet would remain silent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, when people attack God's word, I mean, we could speak up. We could sure. speak up at those times and, and not just have to, well, you know, that's just what they believe and they just believe something different mm-hmm. than I believe. No, it's not just they believe something different. Uh, they believe something wrong. I mean, if somebody was was drinking cyanide and, the, you know, and they thought it was like Advil or something or Pepto-Bismol, you wouldn't say, well, well you know, that's just the way they take medicine. You would say, listen, right. that's wrong. You know, don't right. put that down your gullet. <laughs> that's going to yeah. kill you. 
Right. Mm-hmm. right. You know, look, we know God's word is alive, sharper, active than any double-edged sword, right? Yes. So, you know, I get people that say to me, oh, you know, I, I read Plato and Socrates and, you know, these guys, you know, they, they must have been Christians because the things they wrote is very profound. Yeah, you have the scriptures, but I have no Plato way. and Socrates. And I said, really, has Plato and Socrates ever told you, come unto me, all you who are heavy and heavy, uh, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest? Did Plato ever make that claim? You can go to Plato and and hear that. Well, right. didn't didn't these guys get killed by the people that they were around? And, and is that what the whole point of Socrates and Plato was that they got killed for their beliefs? It's it's not. It, it, you can only find salvation in Christ. You can only find them in that. I, and I and mm-hmm. I'm telling you, and I, and I, like even I'm guilty of that. Like I'm reading these great men and you know um, all these different philosophers, all these different stuff, and. Yeah, you're going to get some things from that. You're going to get a nugget of truth here, a nugget of truth there. Mm-hmm. But the Bible is sufficient. It's Amen. unchanging. It's Amen. infallible. It's inerrant. And once again, even going back to that point you made about the 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 every time they dig up a, a new bone, they go back and try to figure it out. And mm-hmm. and, and it's another thing, and, and we won't get into it, but they're, they're not only doing it to confirm the age, they're doing it to dispute the Bible. So it's not like it's universally accepted. There's been a thousand plus years of people saying, Bible's wrong. I'm going to prove it's wrong. Dig it. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it was right about that. But it's wrong. And they just keep continually. I'm telling you, if they had that silver bullet to take the Bible down, they would have used it already. And mm-hmm. people have been trying. Some of the most brilliant minds in the world have been trying to find holes in it. And they can't find it. It's always in like the most... Uh, you know, th- clearly things that were hyperbolic that they focus on. Well, I remember, um, and we quoted him in our last podcast, Josh McDowell, uh, mm-hmm. when he was younger, he went around to world-renowned libraries trying to disprove the Bible. Uh, his words, and I quote, Christians have two brains, one lost and the other out looking for it. <laughs> and the more he tried to disprove the Bible the more the Bible was disproving him. Amen. And he, Amen. he ended up becoming a believer. Um, and even though I'm personally not an evidential apologist, uh, neither is Anthony, although we, we, we know the arguments. I mean, the arguments are good. They're, they're solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even spell the evidentiary. There you go. <laughs> but I mean, so just it, as an aside, an evidential apologist puts all the evidences to try to prove God or prove scripture, prove something uh, I'm not know, that. theologically sound. <laughs> right. So we're, we're presuppositional. We break down the presuppositions. But right. nevertheless, I mean, they they are there. Um, and he could not disprove the Bible because he was trying to be kind of an, an honest uh, 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 researcher, at least. And he just, he followed the evidence where it led, just like in a courtroom. I'm going to modify it. I'm a cautious uh, presuppositionist. Okay. People, we we put adjectives in front of everything nowadays. I just want to make sure I put that out there. You got to throw a nuance in there. (laughs) A little, a little nuance. You're not not transitioning from evidentialism (laughs) to presuppositionalism, are you? No, no, no. My only, the only caveat I would have for that is, I'm not one of those presuppositionists who says, well, okay, because he's not presupposing what I presuppose, I'm just going to stop the conversation. It's not not an end of a conversation. It's kind of like, okay, this is why we're disagreeing, but hey, let's let's assume 
everything I'm saying mm -hmm. is true. What does this mean? As opposed mm -hmm. to in the very beginning when I was saved, and Matt, I know it's not the, the totality. They was like, well, you don't believe it. I'm walking away. This is a waste of my time to talk to you because oh, you don't. No. That's that's the only thing. That's the only caveat to it. Mm -hmm. But I think this constantly. Well, I'm gonna prove you. The, I'm gonna prove. I'm gonna prove. I'm gonna prove. That's that. That doesn't tell me you believe it. If you're constantly just all right, running behind him trying to prove things to them, because mm -hmm. you're never gonna prove it all to them. Because like I'm teaching my son, faith is something that is not seen, something that you you can't necessarily quantify. Yeah, from a presuppositional standpoint, Augustine said, "I I believe, therefore I understand." Amen. Right. So we know that wisdom, knowledge comes from Lord, wisdom and understanding come from his lips. Mm -hmm. So where you stand when you when you're looking out at the world, your vantage point uh, could be uh, any one of a million different places, millions upon millions of different places, millions upon millions of views. What better place than to stand in front, right uh, under God's chin Amen. and look out at the world the way he sees it so that we can think God's thoughts after him. We can see it the way he created it, the way he defined it, and the way he purposed it. That's the only way we can know anything for certain. Without God, um, without God revealing him, uh, himself and his creation to us, we could not know with certainty anything. Amen. Amen. And, and I think, and I'm not going to belabor this, I think that's mm -hmm. the one of the issues that the modern mentality is facing is that as they keep opening everything up and everything is open to interpretation they're realizing there is no certainty in anything and they're getting really confused and i know a lot of young people who are very confused because they're like okay so if there's no gender then 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 why should we affirm women because we're exactly the same as men and 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 if and if and if i can become a woman then then the and it's just and they're so confused by the whole process mm -hmm. because there is no certainty. And when we offer certainty, they say, "Well, you're bigoted. You're just old-fashioned." Okay, well, you know, men and women are different. Period. Right. End of story. <laughs> um, but I, but I think we spend a lot of time explaining all the you know all, all the different nuances. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of people, it's well, what does it mean? Look, and we can go into all the science stuff. What does it mean for my actual worship experience of that regulative and normative experience? I, I want to know. I, I'm here to learn too. What's going on? What? How do we? How do we apply it to that? You know, but all this theological stuff. A lot of people don't even want to know the theological stuff. They just want to know what I said to you before. How can I stop hating my neighbor? How can I love my wife? How right. How does Scripture apply to that? Right. Well, if if the Scripture is our only infallible authority, and we are subservient to it, and and derive our beliefs from it, well, then as we worship God. Our beliefs must come, and the way we worship God must come from the scriptures and the scriptures alone. Amen. Now, the regular regulative principle of worship says that we will worship God the way he's prescribed in his word, okay, Amen. no more, okay? Uh, then there's the normative uh, principle of scripture, normative principle of worship, where if you you can worship God the way you want as long as it's not prohibited. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So the prohibited part is where you, you can bring a lot of things to the table uh, that God doesn't mention in the scriptures and say, well, God didn't prohibit it so we can do it. Mm -hmm. Whereas the regulative principle says, no, no, no. If God has not prescribed th what you're doing, you sh you cannot do it. <laughs> and we think about uh, Nadab and Abayu. Right. They, they they brought strange fire to the altar. Mm. You know, God, God consumed that sacrifice. And to me, I, I hate to say it, it reminds me of like a, a Bethel type situation where they saw the manifestation of God in their midst 
And these two guys said, hey, let's do that again. You know, not recognizing the holiness of God, not recognizing the significance of what just happened. They were in it for an experience. Mm. You know, and I've been in situations where, you know, people have said, oh, we have to give the people an experience. And I'm like, you know, if you give them an experience, you're just tickling their flesh. That's number one. And number two, it's all you. I don't want to give somebody an experience. Now, experience is not a bad thing as long as it's the Holy Spirit that's doing something in in you. Okay? But the bottom line is we have to come to God on his terms, not our own. And because, you know, we're so all about the personal relationship and autonomy and, and, and I have my own relationship with God, I think that I can do things that God uh, wants uh, and he, he knows me. He knows what I like. So when I worship, yeah, he really does, (laughs) (laughs) but we have to come to, to God on his terms, not our own. We don't make the terms. Yeah. I like what you said, because, you know, when, uh, when you're thinking of the normative principle, uh, that is something that's pragmatic. Uh, and here's a great example. Remember when Uzzah reached out mm-hmm. um, and he touched the Ark of the Covenant when the Not cart, the, it, it was it was put on a new cart and it was driven by oxen and it was kind of falling over. And he, I guess he did what any one of us would have done if something was falling. You reach out to, you know, to steady it so it didn't fall into the mud. Uh, I read this in R.C. Sproul's book, The Holiness of God. If you haven't read that. Go out and buy it yesterday. I mean, it's a fantastic (laughs) book. But, I mean, and Sproul says he thought that the mud was dirtier than his heart. And and But what happened to Uzzah? God struck him dead immediately. Mm. I mean, that's the normal principle of worship because the ark was supposed to be carried uh, by the Levites only on poles. And they were supposed to, you know, transport it that way. And they came up with this other pragmatic way of doing it. And God wasn't having it. And so we must worship God in the way he's prescribed. And and we we have to stay on those train tracks. And we can't just try to be normative or pragmatic, if you will, and look for loopholes in things. Well, God didn't say we can't do this. See, And what we're not saying is we're not saying that we can't use technology, you know, to amplify your voice. Uh, or things like that, or make the room brighter. We're not saying that. That 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 is not necessarily uh, uh, what Scripture is speaking to, you know. But I can't go and say, you know what? Today I'm going to read from the Quran, you know, because we consider that to be God's word too. No, that mm. that would be <laughs> be idolatrous. So we can't just do whatever we want. Um, you have anything to add today, brothers? Uh, uh, Pastor, I had a question for you, um, and it kind of went to the way I was going to ask you anyway. So one of the biggest controversies, and I'm telling you, this is <laughs> it's a millennial thing. One of the biggest controversies right now is, and it, and they use this relative normative principle in this weird way is, well, Scripture has, there's Scripture in the Bible called Psalms. And if you do any kind of music mm. that's not Psalms, well... You know, yeah, 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 you, you, so it's like, how does this fit in this regulative normative thing? Because I think it's a misuse of it. I, they're kind of using it in the right way, but in the wrong, the wrong um, mentality, where it's as if it's saying, well, the Bible doesn't specifically mentions psalms, and it specifically mentions this. So when you do a, a contemporary song, you're somehow 
doing something against what God has said. What, what do you what do you say with that, Pastor Peter, uh, Pastor Phil, if you haven't, or Anthony? But I was I was really thinking about what you would say, Phil, on that because you know how musically talented you are, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I can barely carry a note in a tune. They 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 tell me to sing solo, solo. They can't hear me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh, is that why I can never hear you? Okay, I got it. That's the reason. Um, yeah. So I mean, I believe that verse is from Ephesians where we're supposed to come with uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I think that the real focus is on worshiping God in spirit and truth. Thank Are you. the words that we're singing true about the Lord? Amen. True about humanity. True about God's word. Um, then you can do that with the psalms. Sure. I don't think we have to be psalms exclusive. Some may disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do that with hymns. And we can do that with more contemporary modern day uh, lyrics because there's no such thing in one sense as like Christian music. There's only Christian lyrics, right? Amen. Amen. Because it's not like the beat is Christian all of a sudden. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when you have lyrics that are in line Amen. with God's word, Amen. you're affirming and echoing and amplifying mm-hmm. what is already written in the word. Now, if you have lyrics that go against God's word, well, I don't care if it's a hymn. Yeah. You yeah. know, him got to throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 You know, and, and, and thank you. I just wanted to remember, I don't want to get, we're not, we're not saying if you hit sing songs is a problem. I'm just saying mm-hmm. you, you can take the, these things and apply them in the completely wrong context. You know what I mean? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's yes. Scripture is not going to specifically say the guitar and the electric, electric guitar and the bass. It's not going to say that. But it's implied, you know, and but but I think the regulative and the normative applies. And I think what we're all agreeing is that the regulative is what we should be going based off. of. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is, uh, you know, as Protestants in the evangelical world, we, you know, we look at Roman Catholics and we say, oh, they do the Hail Mary. Uh, they do the rosary and they do the Hail Mary 10 times in the Our Father. And, and that's vain repetition of prayer. Then Uh-oh. they'll go in and sing a song and repeat the the the, the refrain or the chorus, you know, Come fifteen times. You are. <laughs> right? They'll yeah. repeat it fifteen times, and you're like, "Well, isn't that vain repetition?" No, you know, we 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 have to make sure. And Phil, what you said was was spot on. Words are incredibly important. Amen. You know, Amen. The w- words are what transform people. Like I, I can say Yankee Stadium right now. And yeah. guess what? The both of you are thinking about the same thing I am. Yeah. And I didn't try to do that. Well, actually, mm. I did. But <laughs> all I got to do is say a word, and all of a sudden, I can create an image in your mind. So the very words that we sing to God uh, have to be correct. Now, again, no human being is infallible, um, and we're we're sin stained human beings. So our worship is going is not going to be perfect. But we should be mindful of the words that we sing. We should make sure that they're directed towards God. We should make sure that we're not bringing music in that's designed to attract people because the worship is not for them. You know, how many times in other churches I've heard, oh, did you like the worship? I'm like, who cares? It wasn't for me. <laughs> the question is, did God like the worship? Exactly, you know, exactly. It doesn't matter what, you know, what, w- how the melody went and how well everybody sounded. Does, is that good? Absolutely. But look, I'd rather take 15 people who can't, who can't hold a note, sing a hymn in I'm unison. In. 
<laughs> Me too. Uh, Fifteen people in in a room who 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 can't you know hold a tune, sing together, sing the doxology, right? Rather than one guy up there playing a a, a, a guitar and singing with an unbelievable voice, I can't participate in that worship. Yes, you know, yeah. I'm listening to him, and, yeah. and that's 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 a performance. That's not worship. I, 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 and once again, I don't bash into the churches, but I went to, I like, you know, after going to reform churches and being, mm-hmm. I went to other church and it was like one person just singing for a while over. And I was like, I, I'm not really part. I mean, I enjoyed their voice. That's right. great. But I wasn't really involved in that. I wasn't being immersed into the thing. And so it's just a weird experience. And I think just to kind of get it all, once again, I'm the guy who's going to make this all clear. You know, you guys are getting all these perspicuity and all these other words in there. I'm going to get it down <laughs> real simple, right? Real simple. We are saying, that because scripture is clear and it's infallible and it's inerrant and it's unchanging and it's sufficient, it is a tool to be used in a regulative way. And it is something, it's the basis by which we make our arguments, our decisions, and how we behave as Christians. Because it's clear, you can make it unclear through means of Isogesis, which means taking scripture uh, text out of context, gave a perfect example where Peter, in the middle of a scripture being done, went and said, "Hey, this is what happened," and God had to say, "No, no, no, this is what I really meant." <laughs> and so we're not saying, "Okay, any reading of scripture is correct as long as you read it." It's it has to be within some kind of context, mm. but I'm saying we got we have to have a standard, and this is the only standard God has given us. And it's a good, it's it's a perfect standard. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word out of the mouth of God. I Amen. mean, it is sustenance for us. That is what we should be feasting mm-hmm. on every day. It's so important to understand that we, we, we are physical beings, obviously, and we have to feed ourselves. I'm good at it. Uh, but we're also spiritual beings. We have to read God's word every day. And I make it a point in my Bible studies to tell everyone in my study to memorize the word of God. I try to quiz them on it. And, you know, sometimes they get upset at me. But when, when you hide God's word in your heart, those words transform the way you think. They're designed to, you know. And one of the things we, with regards to Sola Scriptura and the Chicago Statement of Inerrancy, um, you know, we talk about Jesus is the word incarnate. But the scriptures are the word inscripturated. There's, it's it's as if Jesus is speaking directly to you. How many times have you have you heard somebody say, "Well, if you, if you would have be able to meet one person in the entire world, who would you meet?" And it's like some people, Christians say, "Oh, Jesus." It's like, yes, I would certainly want to meet Jesus before I die, but I, I know I will meet him. Everyone will. Um, but you have his words. You, you have his, his words right in front of you. You can hear Jesus speak to you every single day. All you have to do is crack open the word of God. And if you want to hear Jesus uh, out loud, then read your Bible out loud. So, Pastor Phil, so I guess we should end it there, right? So, to me, that, and, and when I do Bible studies, I, I always mention this. I'm thinking, like, I, I kind of, you know, that's how Jesus felt when he said, when they asked him, show us the Father. He said, I've been with you this whole time. Mm. And, 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 and if we read scripture and we believe scripture, he says, I'm not, you're not going to see me in the flesh until the last day. 
So this is what we have. And the thing that we have that connects us to God, that is clearly from God, is the one thing we we are deciding to, to check with second, third, fourth, fifth, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, so Pastor, Pastor Phil, I just want you to kind of like underscore that because, you know, I, you know, I listen to you too, you know, <laughs> you tell us, like, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if people understand what a beautiful thing it is to have it, you know, w- w- what a special gift God has given us that no one can take away from us. Even if you can't read, you can hear it. Yeah. I mean, I think in America sometimes, uh, I think we take the scripture for granted because if you go to some other countries, some of them only have one page of the Bible or they have one book of the Bible and they share it among the village or the tribe or what have you. And, and it's precious to them. And the question is, is God's word precious to you and I, mm-hmm. right? As you're listening, is God's word precious to you or do you want to watch the news and hear what the news is saying or the newspaper or what's on your Instagram or your Facebook or your Twitter feed? Listen, that'll change. Scripture endures forever. Your social media will, won't endure forever. All scripture will be fulfilled. Not all things that politicians say will be fulfilled. Uh, scripture will purify your life. Tradition won't do that. Scripture is divinely inspired. Uh, not Google. A scripture is absolutely trustworthy, not Facebook. Scripture blesses those who keep it. Uh, the the culture doesn't do that. It despises us who keep, uh, you know, uh, to God's word. Scripture gives assurance of salvation. Find me anywhere else in, in history in the world where you can be assured of your salvation. You, you can't. Even in Roman Catholicism, they got to go to purgatory first because. Mm. What Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That's simply not enough. Scripture is profitable for salvation. Nothing else. No works, no looks, no talents, no tradition. Nothing in all of creation is profitable for salvation other than Scripture. Amen. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Now, Anthony, I noticed, I noticed, I noticed, I noticed a, a, a habit of yours. Why do you keep going back to scripture, bro? <laughs> Why do you keep like you get, you know, like you say some great word, and then you just throw back in there the the, the verse. It's it's very off putting, you know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why, Glenn. <laughs> it makes me sound so smart. <laughs> oh, yeah. look, I, I, I will just repeat what God said. Man, this guy's brilliant, and I could say it's really God. Amen. Amen. I don't want anybody to hear my opinions and my oh, words. Amen. Let them hear God's. My goodness. Well, thank you. I, I thank really you. appreciate, yeah, having you uh, as a guest, and we're going to have you next time too. Okay. Um, we're going to do. Uh, we're going to continue on with this. Uh, we also have to hit the order of of salvation according mm. to Scripture, and then. Closet Calvinist, Cage Calvinist, the young, Ooh. restless, and reformed. So some good stuff coming out. Um, and uh, tell us your website there, Anthony. All you, tell us all your websites. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, the the one that I uh, I prize most is Reform Rookie. So you can go to www.reformrookie.com. Uh, and on the website, you can uh, sign up to the podcast. You can go to the YouTube channel. Uh, I have the catechism and all the creeds up there. Uh, everything pertaining to reform theology for, for beginners, people who are just getting their feet wet. Um, 
I also, on that website, you can go up top and hit a button called Courses, and that's going to bring you to apologeticsed.com, where you can take courses on apologetics. Uh, I put a really lengthy one up there about evolution and, uh, you know, the fairy tale that it is. So you have that on the Reform Rookie. Then on the other side, on apologetics side with my partner, Nick, uh, we set up something called newyorkapologetics.com. So we've hosted many uh, training sessions. Uh, we've we've done debates. We've had big conferences here in New York. We really believe Long Island is Christ Island. Uh, it belongs to him. We're here to turn it right side up for the Lord. Uh, if, if you need somebody to come speak at your church, please Go to newyorkapologetics.com or send an email to me, reformrookie at gmail.com. We can host a conference. We could do training sessions. Uh, If you want stuff on reform theology, we would love to come in there and talk to you about the doctrines of grace, uh, the five solas, uh, presuppositional apologetics. We'd love to impart that to uh, whoever would be open to, to hearing it. So uh, along with Phil and Glenn and so many other great churches on Long Island, uh, we we really can uh, turn this turn this island right side up for Jesus Christ. It's His anyway, mm-hmm. and you know I read the end of the book. We win. I don't know what we're waiting for. Uh, I want more people to get motivated and understand that we are in a war, a war for souls. And Jesus did not lay His life down for people to sit on a couch and watch Netflix. He said, "Go out, teach everyone to do, to do what I commanded you to do. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." And guess what? I will be with you in that endeavor to the end of the age. No one has done what Jesus Christ has done. No one who is who Jesus Christ is. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through him. To him, we owe everything. Every second of our lives belong to him. We were bought with a price. Redeem the time for the days are evil. We got to get moving. Amen. 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 I appreciate those words, brother. Um, And so, yeah. Uh, check out uh, his website, give him a call, utilize him, listen to the courses, listen to the podcast, really great stuff. And I really appreciate just having a like-minded brother because um, Anthony and I are very much in the same boat. We work, we're always at a church, and we have these yes. parachurch ministries connected to the local church. Um, and so I want to thank you, all our listeners, for taking the time uh, to listen to this podcast today. Uh, realize that uh, all of the funds that we use are all listener supported. So if you'd like to support us, go to www.soulfishingministries.org. If you'd like to support this podcast or Soul Fishing Ministries in general, uh, we're looking to get some of our books published this year and hopefully have in time for the G3 conference, which is coming mm. at the end of September, beginning of October. And we're bringing Glenroy with us for the first mm. time not kicking and screaming. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> so um, please pray for us. Uh, and I have a dear um, uh, family member who's, who's greatly struggling um, with substances. Uh, would you just please pray for him? I, I don't want to use the name on the air here, but um, many of you just may know and just could use your prayers at this time. Uh, thank you so much for that. And we thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. 
This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishyministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It. 